Warning. What you're about to hear may contain mature language, adult situations, and depictions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. That's the question I have uh, in the modern sense and in the classical sense is a vampire or a dracula to you experts out there is that a mutant well when you say the modern sense or the cla- did you say the modern sense or the classical sense is that yeah. what you said in e- in either case so are you defining mutants as any form of mutation like when someone's born with an extra pinky or are you defining mutants as like, I went into radioactive ooze and I came out a different thing? I mean, I think both of those apply. Well, I guess like then there's lots of mutants walking around. Sure like, are. People you know, with uh, different colored eyes. They're like, that's mutants. a mutant, right? Yeah. Uh, that's a mutant right there. People with red hair. Oh, that's definitely a mutant. Yeah. Is Michael Drag- Morbius. Mm, that's a mutant. Is, is a vampire also a mutant? That is, he's hundred percent a mutant. Yeah. As a result of science, uh, I, I I don't th- I don't think Dracula is a mutant since he has been cursed, right? He was a regular guy who was cursed. Or did he into... just get sick from drinking so much blood? Well, if you were to abide by the the origin story of the book. He has been cursed. So, like like a biblical style curse. Okay, but hold on. It's not like he was like zapped with magic. Like he stabbed a holy cross and the blood that came out, he drank. That is, you're thinking, that isn't Bram Stoker's Dracula the movie? Which I don't think that's exactly how it goes down in the book. It's not in Bram Stoker's Dracula, the textbook. No, I don't think. To my rec, I I have never read Bram Stoker's Dracula, the book, but I'm fairly familiar with it, but from reading about it. And I believe he makes some sort of pact with the devil or something to gain the power to defend his people, and he's granted this incredible, like, bloodlust uh and these powers but then ultimately once his enemy is defeated because he has this bloodlust he then has to turn upon his own people to uh fulfill it and then that is in a sense the cursed i believe that's i could be missing some little bits here and there but it's not just like i have uh drank some blood and now i'm vampire i think it's a little bit more complicated than that yeah it seems complicated is a vampire a mutant? Uh, I would say 90% of the time, no. What about in Daybreakers? That is definitely mutant. Yeah, that movie's awesome. That I know, movie's I, like, really I say that like every other episode. I'm like, hey, remember Daybreakers? That movie's awesome, but it well, is. The most awesome thing about Daybreakers is you tell me the plot of that movie. I'm like, this is nonsense. Yeah. Right? It's like, in a world where everybody's a vampire, some people aren't a vampire you know <laughs> they gotta figure out how to turn the tide in their favor right and it's like it's a world of vampire like the like vampire businessman going to vampire offices 
and uh, you know it's just like i'm just like this is so like overthought out it's about a vampire who's so bored with his office job he's like we gotta bring back people to (laughs) spice things up (laughs) and it's like it's like ah no i'm good and then i watched it you know just like as a novelty and i was like whoa this is actually pretty damn good yeah it is it gets a little clunky towards the end, sure. When Willem Dafoe shows up, but yeah, I wish that, uh, that I wish that that guy had not been Willem Dafoe. I like Willem Dafoe, but yeah. I think they should have got somebody less distinct. I yeah, know. I can see what you're saying. Um, just like more of like a working schlub type of guy. Yeah, he's just too much. He's just like yeah. too Willem Dafoe. He kind of hogs the the camera a little bit he does seem like a not real person you know what i mean yeah that's the one one movie where i'm i'm not like oh willem dafoe's a fine actor and great in this role i'm like he's a little too willem dafoe for this like he just seems like himself yeah i genuinely love willem dafoe yeah and uh but yeah he does seem like where did you like where did you find this guy he also stuck out in uh, John Wick to me. I was like, why are you here? You know, it stuck out to me in in this sense, as I agree with you, but it stuck out to me in the sense of like not him as an actor, but more so just in type of like the the role was, for like someone who's you know and recognizable, it was too small for him to really do anything with and not small enough or unique enough for it to be like a glorified cameo. Yeah. Know? Where it's just like, oh, let's get this guy to do something really weird for five seconds of the movie, mm-hmm. you know? Like that, like Christopher Walken does shit like that all the time, right? Yeah. But um, yeah, it was too large for that and not a unique enough character for that, but too small to like rationalize casting Willem Dafoe in it, you know? Because it was just kind of like a nothing guy, right? Yeah. They could have easily got like a lower level action guy who would have yeah. been like a fun cameo. Yeah. And, and put him in there, but. Is Willem Dafoe a mutant? In real life? Yeah. I'm going to say yes. Yeah, he looks like one. No offense. He's a, he's a mutant in a Spider-Man, right? To old friend of the show, Willem Dafoe. Yeah, Spider-Man a mutant? Like, what's up? How come How come the X-Men got the got the market on, on mutants? Oh, well, I think Spider-Man's like a secret, Right. Oh, like the X-Men are publicly mutants, like being a mutant with mutant powers is like a public issue. But Spider-Man's mutation is a secret. That's why when he starts turning into a giant spider, he's like, whoa. Well, I think there was like an early X-Men storyline where the X-Men were trying to recruit Spider-Man because they thought he was a mutant. And then they're like, oh, you're not actually a mutant. Like, get out of here. Yeah. You're like, you're not a pure born mutant. You're yeah. you were I just guess an that's, accident. I guess that's the thing. In in the X-Men storyline, you have to be born a mutant to be a mutant. Otherwise, you're just a cool guy with mutant powers. Not really. Not really. That's not how it works or not I really. Don't think, I don't think they're like checking. I Yeah. Well, then I mean, then basically like a lot more people would be X-Men then. Sentinels I mean, almost be, everybody is an X-Man. Sentinels would be after every single Marvel superhero. Fantastic Four, Sentinels are on their case. Yeah, they're definitely mutants. Yeah, but they're not. 
they're mutants in like the the scientific definition of mutants, but not in the. This is the worst conversation I've ever had. Yeah, this is awful. You want to talk yeah. about Ninja Turtles now? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're doing a mutant series, guys. This is the Trash Heap podcast, uh, the movie show where we talk about movies that uh, that, that uh, were thrown in the trash. We're out to prove once and for all there are no garbage movies, only garbage opinions, and we're giving those discarded gems a second chance. So, yeah, we're going to talk about, uh, in the next few episodes, we're going to talk about uh, it's movies. Mutant Mayhem, baby. Mutant, Not unlike the film of the same name, which is Chock Full of Mutants. Yeah, which I just saw. Mutants but that's are not the, cool. Yeah, that's not the mutant, the mutant movie we're going to be talking about. Um, no, we're going to talk about the one that started it all, baby. Yeah, which is... Uh, I, I hate mutant. when they say that. Like in like TV spots and like yeah. promotional stuff, they're like, oh, let's check out the one that started it all. But it's right. like a two-movie series. I'm right. like, what do you mean started it all? Like that's it's the first one. Yeah, <laughs> it's so stupid. It's I've I'm specifically referencing Rush Hour when only Rush Hour two was out. Uh huh. I was like, get out of here with that. Yeah. Anyways, but we are uh, the one that started it all. The original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 1990. Correct. Um, before we get into, I just remembered something, and I want to mention it. Uh, recently, we did an episode on Orca the Killer Whale. Mm-hmm. If you recall that, Keith, and in that episode. You said Jaws two is as good as the first Jaws, uh-huh. and I just recently rewatched Jaws two for the first time since I was a kid, and that is a categorically false statement. Yeah, I'll get out of here. That movie is not very good. What? No, it's great. It's fine. It's fine. What? And this is also crazy to me. That movie costs four times what. The original Jaws cost to make. It was the most expensive movie produced by Paramount Pictures up to that time. And it looks like it, it was made for $4. Wow. Like, the shark looks like shit 80% of the time. I disagree. Mm, fair enough. I don't want to get into the thing about that i just wanted to call you out publicly yeah it's just crazy that we could look at the same movie and see something completely different yeah it's the worst part of being human easily <laughs> <laughs> i would say okay the shark does not look like shit i knew you were gonna C- get into compar- it comparatively to the first shark it doesn't look as good even though it cost four times as much that's more it's that's more of the the point i'm trying to make i don't know i just love the story of uh Chief Brody there is uh he's all fucked up from his first experience with the shark and he's out of work and stuff starts to happen again and he's like tells everyone the sky is falling and no one believes him and Oh no, there's elements I of love a good it. story in there. You know, like it's I love like the a- final I think of a final showdown is action packed. I love it. Oh, you mean that part where he's like where he's slowly paddling uh, explosions. Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, no, was that a mutant shark? No. In fact, I was watching some Shark Week stuff, and I saw f- high-definition footage of the war- largest shark ever recorded on film. And uh-huh. uh, holy shit, that is not a mutation. That is just the wrath of nature. That is the natural Hell world yeah. run amok. Hell yeah. All right, so back to mutants, I guess. Um 
What is the movie Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 1990? Well, it's the story of honor, respect, tradition, family, and a giant rat telling everybody what to do. Now, this movie was a huge hit when it came out, right? It was a huge hit. No. Yes. No. Yes, it was. It was, it a, was a fucking phenomenon. Bombed. A huge hit. Turtle Mania is sweeping the country. Fairly well received critically. Kind of like a beloved cult classic sort of now. Like, why are we even talking about this movie, Keith? This isn't trashy material, is it? Yeah. How so? I know we're giving it a second look. Right, but elaborate. Why did we like? It's why also we... like a few thousand years old at this point. So like, that's true. Maybe it has become outdated. Spoiler: It has. And uh, we can talk about whatever we want. Well, I was just thinking because maybe like it doesn't get some of the recognition. Like it's it's rec- it's recognized as being fun and good and like whatnot. But I think it kind of set a blueprint for comic book adaptations to come that it did, doesn't really get the credit for. Well, yeah, because people don't look at it as a comic book adaptation. They look at it right. as a adaptation of the toy line or the cartoon series, which right. it is not, actually. If you do a little bit of research, the primary inspiration for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie, was from the comic books. Uh, and then elements of the, the show and the more popular kind of aspects were uh, kind of peppered throughout. Right. But, yeah, so the it's, whole it's... the Foot Clan story and... Uh, meeting April O'Neil and fleeing the city and then returning for the final showdown and Splinter getting kidnapped. All of that comes uh, straight from the comic books. Yep. Created by Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman. Couple of dorks. Couple of dorks indeed. Couple of dorks. Um, the It's also funny because the comic book is a hyper-violent, very not-for-kids uh comic book and yeah, say more for teens. teens i wouldn't say it's like adult it's an adult it's it's a it's not like there's no like f- like full frontal or anything but it was definitely like written for i think probably the audience was like adult nerds you yeah, know like, like edge lords yeah like 20 year old nerds was definitely the probably the target audience and it spawned one of the most popular children franchises of all time yeah one that is still getting milked today yeah obviously you just saw a new ninja turtles movie it was good i liked it a lot yeah and it is 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 it is does it live up to the name of mutant mayhem there is a lot of mutants there's a lot of mayhem i would say i liked 90 percent of this movie there are some things that i was not 100 percent crazy about Uh, i know there were some things you were worried about which was uh turtles like tiktoking and stuff like that. oh yeah having cell phones which I I mean, there's no, there is like in the end credits, there's a little bit of like maybe some of that, not not the way you were talking about it precisely, but it's not re- present in the movie whatsoever. Sure. Well, that's itself. good. Um, now, um, am I to understand? I don't want to get like too deep into this, but right. am I to understand that Ice Cube is Baxter, Baxter Stockman? He is not. Oh. He is not Baxter Stockman. Who's uh, Baxter, is, Baxter Stockman? Uh, Giancarlo Esposito does his voice. Oh, okay. Bax, he's a uh, he's one of Baxter Stockman's experiments. Oh, so Baxter Stockman doesn't turn into the fly guy. Not yeah, not at least not yet. This movie definitely sets up a sequel. It also is like 
it plays with the origins of all the characters a little bit. Sure. Um, is the Rat King in there? Uh, there is no Rat King. Boo. Shredder, uh, uh, I think uh, Shredder, Splinter, or Splinter is just a, he's just a stray rat, if, you know? I don't think he's, they don't reference him being like the pet rat of any ninja master. Or he's not a significant rat in Japanese yeah. history. That's okay. I, April O'Neil is a teenager. She's in high school, you know, which kind of makes more sense given like she's hanging out with all these teenage. They all really do emphasize the fact that these are kids, you know, like yeah, they, ever, they emphasize the teenage part, which I guess none of the other really renditions really ever feel like you're dealing with kids, you know? I don't know. Like what? Which ones? I feel like in this original 1990 film that we're talking about, they are very good teenagers. Mm, I would say they are like they act more like kind of like youthful adults, like twenty-two year olds, maybe who, who haven't discovered uh, uh, beer or drugs yet. You know? Do you think it's funny that uh, all of the voice actors are kind of like nobodies except for Corey Feldman randomly? It is kind of funny, but it's like that was like the thing. It was like oh, the one you know, he's the he literally is the biggest star of this movie, which is hilarious yeah because it's like made like right after his peak right he peaked and then he's like coming coming down i also recently found out this is backtracking to another recent episode we did he cory Feldman was originally offered the role of francis in Wee's big adventure so that character originally would have been played by a kid suggesting that's the way it was written in the script and then they just cast an adult as a child weird which is great. I'm glad that they didn't cast him. Yeah. I mean, it definitely would have been a different type of thing, but yeah, I'm agreed. Yeah. Uh, that was also like before that was, that would have been prior to his peak stardom. You know, sure. that would have been him on the rise type of thing. Yeah. Now these turtles, they find a toxic chemical in the sewer. Apparently we can assume they were discarded by their owner or some kind of a, shoddily run pet store and while crawling around in the ooze they mutated and grew and developed and you know they're able to talk and have independent thoughts and speak in 90s slang Mm -hmm. along with their uh i guess the you know their uh the rat that found them was able to uh take charge of the situation and sort of uh become the patriarch of their little mutant family. Yeah, it's they're surprisingly well adjusted for weirdos who grew up in a sewer. Yeah. Um so that's, you know, that's some good parenting right there by by Master Splinter. Are we to understand based on the backstory so that Master Splinter, the rat, who right. mutates into a much bigger rat, he comes from Japan where he lived in a like a bird cage mimicking martial arts movements. Right. This is pre-mutation. Yeah. Yes, it doesn't make any sense. No. It sounds crazy. And, and then he actually, gets into a fight with a guy. And the a guy, human guy he scratches the guy's face and then the guy cuts off the tiniest little end of his ear to mm-hmm. make things even. Right. Okay, so already you lost me. What the hell right. is going on here? 
Well, and that's the thing too. I mean, this is what I rewatching this movie. You know, I mean, I've watched this movie a bunch of times. Uh, you know, and we'll talk about my initial impressions as a child and whatnot, or our initial impressions as a child. But this movie is by no means perfect. Um, no, and is very goofy at times. But it's remarkable that a movie featuring Ninja Turtles trained by a rat, humanoid Ninja Turtles trained by a rat, fighting a villain named the Shredder who walks around in spiky samurai armor 24-7 isn't just complete nonsense or complete trash. Yeah. You know, the fact that you're doing a live-action version of this and you there is investment in characters and, a lot, like, a fair amount of it seems, like, relatively believable given the circumstances of how it's set up. It's like... Wow, you really pulled off something kind of an kind of impossible feat here, you know. I'm gonna give credit in this situation primarily to the director because while I think that the writing is pretty good, mm-hmm. I think in a lot of ways as the movie goes on, it kind of starts to thin out quite a bit. Yeah, but the direction sort of he pulled together the visual styling and the structure and everything and it's hard not to give credit to what is essentially one of the greatest music video directors of all time steve Mm -hmm. Barron. yeah who hasn't done very many movies like uh, no but but when you look at the music videos that he's done like Uh good lord like this is a who's who of like all of the videos that like people know Africa by Toto, Take yeah. On Me by Aha, I don't know Billy Jean by Michael Jackson, like mm-hmm. this is like major league shit. Yeah, not a slouch by Money any for Nothing by Dire Straits. Well, and I think too, it's like definitely up until this point. Now, you, now, regardless of the fact of whether or not like people are aware that they're adapting a comic book or whatnot, it's still like the same type of thing of taking comic book if you thought it was the cartoon or the toys it's taking comic book like characters and supplanting them into a live action movie in the quote unquote real world and i think up until this point whether or not it's the best comic book movie up until this point or not i think it is the one that does the best of balancing that tone of supplanting those characters into a what is supposed to be our real environment you know and you see this you see the setup and how it's done like executed in movies after this but and, and copied in movies after this but not really as much before it you know there's a fundamental element of storytelling here like it's all very like constructed in a very like pragmatic way like what is the opening sequence it's not like ninja turtles skateboarding or like genetic code flying down the screen right it's setting up like where are we what's happening what are we doing here it's a news report talking about the crime wave yeah it's the big city we should we're seeing it like you could this entire the story of this entire movie is that you could just look at it and know what's going on without all the exposition and dialogue and everything you'd have a pretty good idea what's happening oh sure we see the city we see the invisible crime wave happening as the news reporters talking about it. And they're like, the police are stumped. They don't know how it's being done. Then they're showing us. It's this vast network of wayward children uh, right. coupled with ninjas. My, I fucking love that scene, by the way, where 
the wallet's handing off? Not the wallet, the 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 truck that's parked there oh, for yeah. about five seconds, and yeah. then nin- you hear the ninja sounds, and then all the boxes are gone. <laughs> right. And the guy's like, huh, what the heck? He's like, come on. Yeah. And then the lady gets her to hear TV jacked while she's watching. <laughs> yes. But it is. It's this massive network. Like, it's so many people involved. And then also this, you know, secretive ninja clan, which, you know, ninjas are very mysterious and uh, we don't understand them or know how to beat them. So, like, but you get that set up right away. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome. Well, I remember like, very much, you know, eight years old watching this in the theater, being like, I'm watching a real movie. Like that, like, you know, that thought crossing my head you yes. know like like and having and having the you know probably didn't have the words to articulate it at the time but like realizing like oh i'm not watching a cartoon or a movie f- based on a cartoon for kids you know i was going to go see you know like you know like oh i'm gonna go see my favorite toys and cartoons in a live action movie i can't wait i'm excited and then i'm like oh no this is a real movie like not having those words but like that sensation, like I'm watching a real gritty crime drama and like, look at the lighting. I didn't even know what the fuck lighting was, you know, like I wouldn't have the, the descriptions to use that. And, but like having that sensation, that feeling and not having these things like dumbed down because it was, you know, for children, you know, if that makes sense. Uh, I mean, it's definitely like, it's dumbed down to a certain degree. Like the horrible crime wave is just petty theft. You know, it's like, it has a whole city in turmoil, uh, you know, that it can't go into like real, like serious adult crimes here. Um, but it doesn't feel like it's pandering or placating to children specifically. No, some of the jokes and the gags and the turtle activity obviously is for kids, but right. Yeah, for the most part, the the backdrop and the 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 framework of this movie is like a a very real, you know, issue with consequences, and that's why the like the storyline plays out all through the movie of these children that are have been neglected or disenfranchised, or you know, they're runaways, they're uh, you know, not loved by their parents or they're they're looking for a family and then they fall in with the wrong crowd that just happens to be a centuries-old ninja clan who wants to do crime in the city. Well, and also, like, one of the ways I think it sells this, is it sells all this stuff, is you watch this movie and the stakes are actually relatively low, you know? Like in the new Ninja Turtles movie, the Mutant Mayhem movie, it's like, we got to save the city, you know? I mean, obviously, they're trying to stop the crime wave of the city, but like, we have to save the city from destruction, you know, yeah. at the end of the movie. It's like, and that's the way a lot of comic book movies are. It's just like, the entire world is going to blow up, right? Uh, in this one, it's like, the Turtles got to save their dad, you know, or their adopted dad. The adopted dad has you know, this history and beef with the shredder, you, you know, they, they have, their origins are connected. April O'Neil's boss's kid is also estranged from him. And the, st- the, the stakes, like if the turtles fail or succeed, the rest of the world isn't really going to know. Right. So it makes it a personal story and you're, con- and you have a, you know, emotional connection going on to the events rather than like nameless, uh, weapon is going to blow up nameless city type of thing. Well, and that's one of the ways you can tell it's a kid, a movie for kids is because it's, it is their mission is as simple as like, 
uh, figure out a way to defeat the Foot Clan and get Splinter back. See that, it. but to me, that's like makes it not a movie. One of the things that makes it not a movie for kids. I think a movie for kids is just like Superman has to stop the meteor from destroying the entire Earth. You know, it's this very like, like problem of the of of the of the week type of disaster. Well, I think um, though what happens in between is. Well, I don't. I don't want to sound like this is this is like some sort of movie that has. Uh, an intense like analytical look at psychology and family drama but there is a level of gravitas to what's going on you know yeah i mean there are real like consequences and real real danger like you talk about the stakes being low uh maybe in the grand scheme of things but for the turtles they're actually pretty high like we see the scene of Raphael getting beaten up and then going into a coma and they have to all the their entire group has to retreat to this rural right. farmhouse yes. and sort of train and heal and then they have that very big emotional moment where they're gathered around to the fire and uh, the rat astrally projects itself in front of yeah. them and they all start crying it's very it sounds yeah. insane but it's actually like it's played very seriously yeah and you know it it reiterates that message of like family and like what a family means and what it means to care and support each other and all that shit. And that's why in contrast later on, you get that those scenes trying to convince uh, everyone with that. The foot clan is a family, but it's this destructive abusive relationship where master Tatsu is beating up all of his students because he's in a bad mood. Right. And then, uh, you know, the shredder is going to, uh, you know, kill everybody. Right. It's all played very straight and very seriously. And all these, these dynamics and, and messages are things that totally resonate and are totally true. It just happens to have very goofy, uh, turtle, turtle ninjas. But and, when it needs to be, it is like, yeah. there's such a contrast in the action scenes specifically, right? There's mm-hmm. some fight scenes that are played for laughs and there's tons of gags right. and bits and all that and fun right. uh like accessories and then there's other fight scenes where it's it's dramatic music there's slow-mo effect uh, right there fe- it feels like there's a real danger yeah absolutely right like I, I when i say ridiculous turtles i don't mean like the way the turtles act i mean i'm just saying that the concept is ridiculous yeah in and of itself you know uh i mean the the comic book itself while was very like violent and dark and you know and uh bloody start off as kind of like a joke, you know, it was kind of like a, a straight face joke of making fun of, uh, of sending up other things. It's very much like, you know, not a secret that they were spoofing daredevil and all the ninja stories in daredevil. And a lot of like the, in the daredevil, the ninja clan's called the hand and this one, it's called the foot and daredevil's mentor is named stick and the turtles mentor is named splinter and so on and so forth. Damn. Got so, him. Yeah, there's it, there's there's a definitely a level of tongue and cheekness and self awareness that the notion is kind of goofy, right? Well, I mean, you can look to the name to see that, right? Right. Like the the exactly. name immediately is like, and even though that would get go go on to get spoofed uh, many times over, it's still obviously like a name sort of that long and detailed and with the kind of random juxtapositioning of all those elements, like right. It's clearly like. And this was a very common thing in like, you know, independent comics of the early 80s of just kind of sending up 
these stories of the past, right? You know, like in these superhero teams of the past and kind of being self-referential, but also, you know, like, oh, we love this stuff, but we acknowledge that it's like pretty silly type yeah. of thing. What do you what think? Your... What do you think about oh, the introduction of the turtles? Oh, I think it's great. It's legit. I mean, I, I think it's the one watching it as a kid and like the thrill of it, you know, of how it's done because you, you know, it's they they inter they throw the, the the April's being mugged. They they break the street light so no one can see them. You just hear what they're saying. They disappear back in the shadows. You see them walking through the sewer. You can only see their shadows sh- shadows silhouetted against the sewer walls. And then Leonardo jumps out like that. Oh, it was like one. It like if you don't know what this movie is, like you've never heard of Ninja Turtles, you just turn it on. You miss you miss the title or you know and and you just watch the movie and then see that it's going to be genuinely shocking. Right. And then knowing what it was and being a kid watching that, it was like a genuine, it was such a thrill to see like things that look, I mean, also the puppeteering and costumes and all that stuff created by Jim Henson are incredible, you know, and like watching that as a kid be like, Oh, this cartoon I like is now hundred percent real. It was it was the best way they could have introduced them. And they didn't like, <laughs> man, they could have easily just like been like, here they are in broad daylight or like in, you know what I mean? Like they didn't right. have to light everything in such a, like a gorgeous way in such a dramatic way. Like mm-hmm. you have, these are big green turtles with brightly colored masks, mm-hmm. but they're like, we're going to dim it down. We're going to like play to the, the ninja uh, motif. We're going to keep the grittiness of the city when they live in the sewer. So like they're cracking jokes and having fun and dancing and doing all the silly stuff. But at the same time, like when you look at them, they don't look that ridiculous. Right. You forget that you're looking at five foot tall talking turtles because it all, it all like blends together very well. Well, I think it's also, you know, it's interesting to note that this is a joint production between New Line Cinema, which this is the this is the first time I remember being consciously aware of that logo. Yeah, was was when I saw this movie. It's a joint production with that and Golden Harvest. That's crazy. I never knew that until is, and I saw that while watching it. I was like, wait a second. Which Golden Harvest is a Hong Kong martial arts, primarily martial arts movie company that made all of like. Not all of, but like so many of Jackie Chan's big Hong Kong hits and Sammo Hung's hits and Yuen Biao's hits, like all this, all these, like it was like the one of the it was it was in direct competition with the Shaw Brothers, you know. Yeah, if like, a martial arts movie was coming out, there was a good chance Golden Harvest was involved in some capacity. It, in fact, it was like it was it wasn't as old as Gold as Shaw Brothers, but it was the studio that supplanted uh, Shaw Brothers as the major yeah. martial arts studio. Um, and they had originally got acquired the rights from of the comic book. So that was their original intention was to make a Hong Kong movie based on it that would be gritty, violent, and whatnot. And then kind of like the pop because of the popularity of the cartoon and the and the budgetary costs, they teamed up with New Line and then the story kind of changed to incorporate both a little bit of elements of both. 
and make it a, yeah, a primarily American production. You know what's crazy is I can see it in my head now, and though the action would probably be amazing, I don't think we would have gotten like a complete film. You know what I mean? It would have stood out and been great in some areas, and then in others it would have been just a very goofy. I think it would have been like way, way different, and it might have been something that's not even recognizable as the comic book, you know? Uh, so as a, as an entity entity unto its own, it could have been rad, but it wouldn't necessarily have felt like an adaptation of the Ninja Turtles type no. of thing. It would have been closer to like Cayman Rider or something. Yeah. Which could have been pretty cool, you know? Yeah. But, but not like the, the sort of total... Just like the finished thing that we got, mm-hmm. I think. But uh, who knows? I could be wrong. I mean, I think you're probably Th- right. There's like an alternate universe where I'm like, ah, I'm so glad we got this right. uh, Kamen Rider style version of the Ninja Turtles rather than like a, something directed by an American music video director. <laughs> well, you know, oh, absolutely. Like, I'm thinking of like when I we're talking about this, I'm thinking of like a lot of the fantasy and horror martial art movies from the 80s that I really like, you know, like uh, like uh, um, uh, uh, Encounters of the Spooky Kind and um, The Bride with White Hair. Bride with White Hair, that, that type of stuff. And I'm like, oh, a movie like that could be really cool. It wouldn't be the Ninja Turtles as we know them. You know, but it yeah. could be it could be rad, you know, so it could be this this separate entity that that's that we that's fucking awesome. But just but just, you know, yeah, not not what we know. Uh, but, yeah, you're totally right. There's that reality where you're just like, oh, God, they would have if we made this is an American movie, it would have been dog shit. And frankly, by all accounts, that's what we should have expected, given the premise and given the movies that came out after this, too. You know, yeah. Because I'm not going to say there's nothing to be enjoyed in those movies, but they're not this movie. You know, they're not they're not treated with the level of like respect and care that the people and love that the people who made it clearly did. You know, and I watched certain things in this movie. I'm still rather impressed how well some of it's pulled off. Yeah. You know, just even on technical levels, like the uh, like the like the fight with Raph on top of on top of the building against all the foot clan members, you know, like he, here's a guy who in a suit that can barely move around and barely see, you know, so there's going to be limitations on what he can do. Trying to, trying to film scenes where it's one person fighting multiple people at once usually comes across kind of goofy because you have that thing where you just see people in the background waiting for their turn to fight and you don't get a ton of that. You do later on when they're actually inside the antique store and it gets real crowded in there. Yes. But yeah. on the rooftop, and that's the interesting part too, is you get the serious fight on top of the building right. with Raphael because that's a dramatic moment. Where he's literally getting like practically murdered. Yeah, and then once uh, the big brawl starts, then it's back to fun, like the fun, silly. Right. It, it, really, it really manages those tones and expectations and like gives you moments to like breathe and then be serious really really well exactly yeah and especially managing the action in such an intentional way that's pretty impressive like most movies don't give it that kind of consideration but we have to give a special shout out to uh old friend of the show ken scott 
That's right. Who is the star of Showdown, the uh, Billy yeah. Blanks martial arts movie, because that guy was actually the martial arts soup performer. Not, not the uh, sort of dialogue and, and all that stuff, I right. believe, but he was the inside the suit for all the martial arts sequences. He was and, Ra- he was Raphael yes. in the suit. And he did he a fantastic also, job. He's also um, in like the little nunchuck showdown between yes. uh, Michelangelo. Yes, and the, he was also a Foot Clan uh, he was the foot guy. He was the Foot Clan guy with the, with the nunchucks. That's awesome. Yeah. What, okay. He has a book out uh, about mm-hmm. his experience in movies and specifically as the uh, the main dude in uh, this movie. So uh, definitely check that out. I, I'm, uh, what I'm a cool like, guy. What I'm like when he when we did showdown on the show and when he like just I mean, it was just like a very like he reached out to us a little bit and was like, no, he made like, a oh, funny cool. like offhand yeah. comment about uh, the movie that he was in and, right. and our response to it. It was funny, you know, but I mean, it's like it was not a huge thing. It wasn't like he we had a conversation with him or anything. But when he did that. Like the childhood glee I had, right? Being like, fucking Raphael yeah. just messaged us. Well, and it's just like, cool that he he was not uh, bummed by our, you know, we had some laughs at the expense of right of showdown, obviously, but we had a we had a, some nice things to say about it too. But I mean, you can't fault a guy for you know taking the opportunities that are given to him and being in that movie is a hundred times cooler than anything I've ever done. Like <laughs> right? we can yeah. sit here and talk on this show about all we want, but yeah, that rules. And the fact that he, however, he found the episode and took the time to listen and then, you know, share it and have a little dialogue with us about it. That is very cool. Yeah. So shout out. Yeah. Ken Scott's the man. Now he, he goes around to, he's very uh, active on the convention circuit. So right. if you want to go chat with him and, get a book signed and all that uh yeah go follow him on social media he's uh he's out there doing it but yeah Um, there's a surprising level of physicality inside these suits i read some review or something that said uh the suits were like bulky and phony looking and all that i completely disagree oh no like it's i mean like if you like some of the, like when the di- like sometimes the mouth movements aren't great for the dialogue. Yes, you know, not- I'd say that's probably the only real the drawback. Amount- but that's but a Im- difficult thing to do anyway. Right. The level of just like yeah, I buy these things as as real th- as real creatures within the movie. The the, the amount that they emote, um, you know, through their faces and whatnot. I mean, there's a couple scenes where it's like. They put a hand on on a, on like one of the shells and it squishes and it's clearly foam rubber, you know, oh. like not a hard shell, you know, type of thing. But like, that's splitting hairs. Uh, they are incredible, incredible creations, and they like they're yeah. Jim Henson's Creature Shop did them, and I think that was actually a really smart move to get people who don't necessarily specialize just on creature effects for movies, but specialize in puppetry and making seemingly little living characters uh and you know what jim henson specialized in like oh here's a sock i can give it a personality type yeah of thing. and uh, it is it was the combination too of the animatronic puppetry and these performers inside the suit because right, they're yeah. sort of their movements and mannerisms and posture and the fact that they could like 
move their shoulders and twist and contort and all that kind of stuff. Right. Like that scene where there's a scene near the beginning where they're Donatello and Michelangelo are waiting for a pizza. Mm -hmm. And there's tons of like just little movements there. Like Donatello or uh, Michelangelo is uh, he's like chewing on like a popsicle stick or something. Right. And so you got all the face movement and the eye movement. Uh, and but then he's also he's moving his shoulders and moving and he's sitting with like one leg crossed over and all this stuff. But like the fact that he's able to do all that instead of just like stand there is right. like like that go has so much mileage in it. Mm-hmm. And it really does like grounds these organisms into reality. Right. I love that shot too, where they've got the the moonlight coming in through the sewer grate yeah. while they're standing there, and then the guy comes up and they do the gag of the address is like whatever the number is and an eighth one to one 22 and an eight yeah and he's like what the what the where the hell's that yeah he's like you're standing on it dude so when you were did you see this movie in the theater i did i saw this with my great grandmother who wow uh, accompanied me to the theater and had a a root beer and an orange soda wrapped up in a napkin in her purse hot damn it sounds like you had a fucking party because even back then it was expensive at the movies yeah what would what was your what was it like were you a big turtle fan beforehand was just like oh yeah i was bonkers i had a lot of i didn't have all of the the toys and stuff but i had a significant amount of the toys and i loved the turtles and seeing them was unbelievable hearing them swear like right, when Raphael yeah. says damn, I yeah. almost shot out of my seat. He says bitchin', you know? Yeah. Yep. Seeing them skateboard and seeing the Foot Clan ninjas, like the Foot Clan Casey ninja Jones. outfits are awesome. The Foot Clan ninja outfits are awesome. I remember when the, because sh- they didn't really show the shredder in the, in the, uh, very much in the previews. It was just like quick glimpses. And when he shows up, when he that- walks up, that is a work of art. Yeah. I was like, this is so fucking cool. And he's scary. Yeah. He's absolutely scary. Yeah. And now, like, yeah, now, like, you know, now as an adult watching it, you're kind of like, so this guy just kind of walks around this shit 24 7 and calls Yeah. What himself, kind of psycho would yeah, go to all that effort? Calls himself the shredder. You're like, okay, that's kind of goofy. But, like, man, when I was watching it, I was just like, damn, this is, this is the pinnacle of filmmaking right here. Yeah. That, uh, that shadow cast on the floor with the mm-hmm. like backlit through the door as he enters, and then uh, Tatsu like pulling his cape back to reveal the the spikes on his shoulders, and he's addressing yeah. this room full of like you know dirty street kids as they're kind of like clinging to the scaffolding and stuff. Yeah, like, that's awesome. Yeah, that's and so it's cool. Like, and it is like yeah, it's perhaps a little goofy that he's constantly in this outfit, but we only see him when he's walking around throughout the, 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 the hideout, right. Or the headquarters. Right. Yeah. So he's supposed to be this like thing that like, I mean, if you look at it kind of like, Oh, he's, you know, manipulating them and he's being a larger in life character. He's like a cult leader almost, you know, yeah. of course he's going to walk around in this. And then when you get the re I mean, as we knew, I think probably going in the, you know, the, or you know, the backstory of the Shredder and the Turtles and like the the connection between him and Shredder. But if you didn't know that and then he pulls off the mask and he's got the scars on his face and like just like even the reaction from, like from the Turtles and Raphael going, like, it's him. It's the it's the guy, you know, like that moment is phenomenal. 
Yeah, there's a lot of weird coincidences in the movie, but that's arguably like the biggest one. The fact that they were like, they ended up in the same place at the same time and they're able to finish that beef. And also the fact that a grown man is beefing with a a rat is uh, pretty absurd, but. Well, I mean, it's it, the coincidence that there that the 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 shredder and the turtles are there at the same time is not that crazy when you think about like okay, the the shredder came to America to kill Splinter's master slash owner, like pet owner type of thing. They would be there. They're both ninjas. Their paths are oh, going to. Oh, did event- he do that when they were in the states? Yes. Oh. Yeah, that was in America. That's why. Oh, that makes more sense. Yes, that's. Uh, they're both they're they're two set, like ninja clans. They're gonna they're gonna like cross paths again. You know? I love that when we get those flashbacks fleshing out the story. They do that cool motif of like the the background disappears. It's and, just all black. Yeah, they're yeah. all on black with like that single light, and then all the the sort of memories that we see are shot on like fucking like super eight film or something. Yeah. It's really cool. (laughs) It is cool. It really works. Even though like now, like, you know, people who are used to high def and all that would be like, Oh my God, that looks like it was shot on a potato. But, uh, it does, it really works. Like all the grain and sort of like the off like frame rate and everything. Yeah. It really does work. It's really cool. It's like, I mean, it just, it goes more to this like, you know, these people making the movie like, okay, if we're going to shoot this movie, let's make it a real movie, you know, type of thing. Yeah. And that's why, you know, like people used to complain about like, oh, music video directors making movies that are all style and no substance and all this stuff. But man, music video directors know how to translate ideas and feelings into yeah. visuals. And that's why like uh, Stephen Hopkins and Rennie Harlan and uh, whoever else like, you know, uh, what David Fincher, like all of mm-hmm. these people got their start in music videos and went on to make some pretty awesome movies. Well, I think the problem too is like when you have someone who just doesn't know how to do both, right? You sure. Know, like a lot, you can become really good at, you know, really popular direct videos because you are good with these visuals. But if you don't know how to balance that between, you know, storytelling and characters then it just becomes a bunch of like gratuitously flashing visuals. But I would say actually this, the, that translates to music videos as well because you see these ones like music videos that have like a like yeah, have a lot of cool visuals going on, but it's like pretty dumb, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then you see these ones that are like, wow, this is telling a mini story. You know, it's not just uh, Fred Durst walking around through CGI backgrounds. Hey, wait a second. That the one Limp Biscuit video where everyone's dressed like Fred Durst. That one's awesome. I don't know. I don't. I forget I which remember. one that is. But I it's like not... kids and grandmas and just random people, and they're all wearing his like signature outfit and red hat. I I I, I don't know. I was I was not actually thinking of a specific. Next music. time on the Trash Heap, we're gonna be. Ooh, we should do a music video episode. Oh my oh, god! What? Let's go. But the visuals really are strong here and in like a storytelling way. Like our introduction to the Foot Clan is like all the thievery happening, right? But then we get shown the warehouse that they operate out of and how it's like this little like wonderland for these wayward children. And then it's time to get a glimpse of the Foot Clan. Yeah. Right? And you see, you don't need to know that much. Like you don't need to see people doing like swords and throwing stars or like a like a james bond type like train thing they're literally just sparring 
uh, right. in, a wait, in a weight room, and some guys are dressed in their ninja outfits and some aren't. And, uh, you know, the one guy beats the other guy, and then Master Tatsu is like, okay, uh, let's see what you got. And he, you know, they do a little sparring, and then uh, we learn a lesson about never lowering your eyes to your enemy. And mm-hmm. it's right, it's all right there. It's like, oh, this is like a a clan that operates by some kind of code. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that whole that whole warehouse scene, like I'll never not uh, laugh at that stupid kid smoking the cigar. Oh yeah, dude. Like that whole like or like there's so much stuff like with Sam Ro- young Sam Rockwell being like, yeah. Hey guys, whatever you want whatever you want, we got whatever you want to do, do it, you know, type of yeah. thing. There's a lot of like funny stuff, funny stuff like that, but I don't know, man. It's a it's a pretty good movie for you know all things considered. Yeah, and uh, you know then we got. I think people often like talk about Secret of the Ooze is the better one, just because more mutants. More well, I think honestly, I just think it's because of the fucking vanilla ice rap. That's funny. <laughs> that's it. That movie is not very good. I mean. I enjoy it for what it is, you know, like as a novelty, but it's bad. Fucking the, the more mutants, the fucking, what are they, Tonkar and Razor, the snapping turtle and wolf are the fucking worst. No, those guys suck. And they weren't even toys before that. No. Like, like we could have gotten like one of a million of the existing really awesome toy characters. And instead we got... Spo- yeah, I think it was supposed to be Bebop and Rocksteady originally, but I guess uh, the Eastman and Laird, the comic book creators, they had some like sort of veto power on things because uh, of like character right ownership, and I, I, they did not, they wouldn't let them be in the movie. And I think it was just because they thought the script wasn't up to snuff and they didn't want to cheapen the characters or something. I love um, how they didn't want to cheapen the characters that are right. like, too like hired goon like muscle uh, right. characters. Well, I mean, you can, but you can see that you can be like, don't ruin them in this movie, right? You know, uh, but or whatever reason, maybe that's, maybe that might, maybe that's speculation as to why they didn't want him to do it. But yeah, yeah, it's not great. And then you know, the third one where they go back in time to Japan, like then it's just like a completely different like franchise. No, by that, that point. might as well just be the TV show at that point, right? You know, and I get uh, why it does. Like the idea of the turtles in like feudal Japan fighting samurai and ninjas and whatever sounds cool, right? But it just looks it's the the opposite of this movie where they thrust the turtles into broad daylight and they're all just walking around and there's no right. like style or like texture to it there's no well, it's also just tonally so opposite from what like the movies came for even from secret of the ooze you know which is just absurdity but like you have the fucking super shredder at the end uh where he drinks ooze and it mutates his costume somehow where did you watch this movie the first one yeah like recently, uh, like I where have you on, watched it? I I watched it on HBO or Max or whatever they call it now. Yeah, so I saw that too, and I was like, this kind of looks like garbage. And so mm-hmm. then I was looking around at some of the other versions, and I watched one on uh, Paramount Plus, and that yeah. looked a little better. Yeah. And I was like, I wonder like what the best way to watch this is, because you can see a lot of the film grain. And there's some lens fog and some other kind of filmmaking artifacts. Movies that are have darker and a lot of shadows are never as good, never look as good on streaming. Yeah, uh, streaming does not handle darks and blacks very well. 
Do you have this on Blu-ray or anything? I, I do actually. Um, <laughs> but I was just like, oh, it's on HBO. I, well, I watched part of it at home. You know, I, I was just like, I don't want to put it in. And the other part I watched uh, at the gym while I was working out on on a machine. So, just on my on my phone because I'd seen this movie a hundred times before, and I was like, I don't necessarily need to see this in its most pristine presentation. I just need to be reminded about some key scenes, type of thing. This is a movie I bet you too that if you popped in an old VHS, you'd be like, this is the proper way to watch this movie. And I wore that tape out as a kid. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely seen this uh, movie a zillion times. It was mm-hmm. cool watching it now, though, as an adult, because I was more in tune with the obnoxious nature of the yeah. humor and the kid-focused stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, like I said, like there's, plenty, there's no means perfect, and like that even that opening scene where like he's they're stealing the wallet and passing it out and then you just see like the the foot clan hand come out in costume and grab it it's it's kind of goofy there's also movie. there's tons of outdated references to like uh Michelangelo doing like the uh Humphrey Bogart uh or no Raphael doing like the Humphrey Bogart thing no that's that's Michelangelo no no uh Michelangelo does uh James Cagney oh right which like I didn't know any of that until, like, like I had to put all that stuff together. Like, it was all, even when I was, you know, oh, I'm no, not that old, but all of those references were kind of old when. They were outdated when when the movie came yeah. out. Like, the fact that, like, they're, like, this was, this was a thing amongst, like, kids' movies of the 80s and early 90s, is that adults were like, what are kids like? Oh, they like old uh, rock movies. Music. They like rock music from the fifties. Yeah, like that's literally what they they thought that they liked that stuff. I mean, like that's the always the music they would put in. Like I could at least not, buy not it teen, here. Not teen movies, but they put them in kids movies. You know, right? Because you know? kids don't know anything. Right. But but I can buy it here because they're living in a sewer. They're finding like old records and things right. that are discarded. Whatever, I'm I'm cool with that. But then even like some of the modern references, like uh, Casey Jones references, uh, like Primatine Mist, right? Yeah, which is like holy shit, man! Like, well, that's fine because that would have been like an actual thing at the time. You know, it's like maybe the people don't use that very much anymore, but it was very popular. You know, like everyone knows what that, you know, motion towards the mouth meant. You know. Yeah, but I mean, you could have tweaked a lot of those little things and, to make them a little more timeless. Sure. Uh, what were some other ones? Uh, the Jose Canseco bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. It is, but only by the grace of God is uh, Jose Canseco still relevant. Right, yeah. That's uh, No one could have predicted that. Sure. Well, and there's always going to be little stuff like that. You know, if if a movie references anything that's, you know, current of the time, whether it be a movie, music, or like this. Oh, man, when they get to the farmhouse and he's like, didn't they use this thing, a color purple? Or the Grapes of Wrath. Or Grapes of Wrath. Yeah. And see, that works because that's like a classic movie, right? I didn't know what the Grapes of Wrath was at that time but i was able to extrapolate kind of like oh it must be some old timey thing you know yeah and so like it was fine you know like obviously that that joke was not you know geared at at, at eight-year-old me 
but I was still able to like pretty much piece it together. I'll tell you though, the the best joke, the greatest joke in the entire movie comes at the end. And it's when Shredder falls into the garbage truck and Casey Jones says, Oops, and then crushes <laughs> a man to death. <laughs> yes. In a children's movie. Oh, oh it's fucking God. great. Actually, you know the best joke? is actually in Secret of the Ooze, the second one, despite that movie not being very good. But there's a scene where, like, Raphael is, like, captured by the Foot Clan, and they're going to go rescue him, and they're going to, like, their new, like, dump yard hideout. And, so, and uh, like, they beat up two Foot Clan guys right away, and, like, uh, Donatello goes, man, that was, that was too easy. And then Michelangelo goes, yeah, it was a little too easy. And then it's quiet, and he says, man, it's quiet. And he goes, yeah, it's a little too quiet, if you know what I mean. And then they see Raph tied up, and he goes, look, it's Raph. And he goes, yeah, it's a little too A Raph. little too Raph, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I remember <laughs> yeah. that one. That part. I remember, I saw, like, I adopting think, that into my lexicon, like, yeah. and, like, using that. I think that is legitimately funny. Um, but other than that, it's not a very good movie. Uh, anyway, what do you think? Any uh, Any final... Thoughts or extra thought? No, I shouldn't say final, but do you have more thoughts on, on I Ninja do. Turtles? I want to talk about something that haunted me ever since I was a child, and I did not figure it out or solve the mystery until this viewing, mm-hmm. which is crazy. I never fully uh, was able to work out if the Shredder was impaled on his staff or not in the final fight scene. He is not. He is. He hundred percent is that. It, that shit is sticking into his body. No, but the but the but uh, Splinter's holding it up by the blade. No, like definitely they... not. It's 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 two sided, pointy oh. both two pointy ends, and one of those ends is inside of the shredder. It Hell is yeah. unmistakable. Hell yeah. In in when I was a kid, it was too dark to tell. Like I could, I was yeah. always squinting at it, trying to work it out. And like here, he is definitely, without question. So that that makes his survival in the sequel even that much more. Well, powerful. I mean, it's like as as dark as this movie is for you know a movie for about turtles for kids. There was stuff that was cut because it was de- or changed because it was deemed too violent or too dark. Like in that scene where Master Tatsu gets really pissed off and starts beating up. Uh, like the like the kids and stuff, and like it's just like wailing on that one Foot Clan guy. That guy's supposed to be dead, right? They yeah, pull off his I was mask. just reading that in the French version. He dies. Yeah, they pull off his mask and he's like dead and now. But they, then they they eighty yard in some like heavy breathing and someone saying like, "Oh, he's gonna be okay," you know, type of thing. Uh, there, and there was some other stuff too that got cut. I can't recall specifically that was deemed too violent or too dark. Also, did you know Master Tattoo's entire voice is dubbed over? Uh, yeah, I could buy that. Yeah, he's a—I mean, he's a very intimidating-looking man, but he has kind of a high voice in real life. Yeah. So they gave him a a, de- a, a voice actor to do a deeper voice on him. Also, he is—he's uh, in like a showdown in Little Tokyo. He sure is. He has a high, he has a higher voice, and his accent is so thick it is difficult to understand uh, him speaking in English. You know, so that was probably another factor in it. I was just thinking, 
Casey Jones is a really confusing character. Yeah. Like, like I know like, who he is, and I was like, oh, cool, it's Casey Jones. But if you have no idea who he is, yeah. Uh, even with his little bit of dialogue, man. Like, there's no, like, there's no, like, a kind of, like, hey, why are you, are you doing this type yeah. of thing? Like, no, like, when they're at the farmhouse, no one questions questions his motivations and methods, you know? Well, and even in his exchange with Raphael at the beginning, like, it, it kind of hints at what he's doing. You get, like, the most basic understanding that he's, like, doesn't like criminals. Right. Uh, and he wants to beat them up. But you have no yes. idea of, like, why he's dressed the way he dressed or, like, what his, like, purpose and mission is and why he does it and anything. Just, like, you get nothing. His appearance his, his appearance is, like, very much out of the blue. And it's, frankly, more jarring than the appearance of the turtles. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because there's no setup for it. And it's just like, oh, there's, like, a, a psychopath vigilante wearing a, a hockey mask. And there's no reconci- reconciling that he's like because when he meets when he meets Raph, Raph is like you were not cool like you were like you are uh, like too violent you are just like beating up people because it seems like you enjoy it type yeah. of a thing uh, and then after that he's just like hey, he's just kind of a rough around the edges type of guy you yeah know? and everyone's friends with him and you get that tiniest bit the tiniest bit of info. That he, it's not even like which sport did he play. It was like, yeah. oh, you used to play professionally, and he's like, yeah, mm-hmm. just under a year until I blew my knee out. Okay, and then what? Yeah. And you get nothing. There's just absolutely yeah. nothing. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely like, yeah, you're right. As like a kid, you're like, fuck yeah, Casey Jones, he's fucking badass. He's but so cool looking. He's definitely, if you look at it narratively, a rather like kind of like shoehorned in aspect of the movie. Yeah. But he does get to be in the like arguably the most unhinged, insane scene where he's beating up the foot soldiers in a antique store that's burning to the ground, and yeah. he stays just long enough to hear an answering machine message being left for, by April's for, boss. For April's boss to say, "Hey, you're fired," while your home is on fire. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he has no. He has a lot of really good lines actually throughout the whole. He does. throughout the whole thing. You know, it's just like uh, he's entertaining, pay- but for no yeah. good reason. Right? Yeah. Classes pain one hundred and one. Your structure's Casey Jones. Yeah. You know, that's that's a fun line. You know, like never called golf a dull sport again. Yeah. These uh, JV low lifes need to be taught a lesson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's fucking great. Uh, I I just watched the Casey Jones movie. It's also remarkable. Like he's in movies played by Elias Cotius who has never been tough before or since in a movie, but he seems incredibly tough and badass. Yeah. In this movie, like he comes in every other movie comes across as like a four foot two, like meek, mild guy, you know? Yeah. And in this, he's just like this, like, don't fuck with me. And it's believable. Yeah. He plays a suit, uh, character in a lot of movies. Yeah. Uh, like a government type guy. It's pretty yeah. wild. Yeah, he's great, um, and probably he he's he does a lot to sell, help sell that character, despite its like kind of like wishy washyness in the script, you know. Yeah. Or introduction, just like pr- presence in the script, not as dialogue necessarily. 
Um, yeah, well, I don't know. I, I, I think that taps me out mostly on Ninja Turtles. Uh, yeah, it's tough because, like, this is a great movie, but if you yeah. don't have any interest in the Ninja Turtles and you don't have right. any interest in, like, martial arts uh, and you're not showing it to kids, there isn't really a reason to watch this movie. Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of trying to think, like, if I did just, like, never heard of this, somehow had avoided the existence of the Ninja Turtles entirely, you know, and now as an adult, I mean, if I was in a video store, as an, if they, those still existed, or if I was just scrolling through streaming and I saw a thumbnail for this and then watched a trailer, I would definitely watch this movie. Yeah. You know, but what would my takeaway be? Like, it would definitely be different, right? But would I be like, man, that was fucking weird. You guys got to see this? Or would I just be like, yeah, that was fine. I don't know. I don't get the, you know, like I, it's bizarre that they made that movie, but it, was, it wasn't bad. It was technically well made, but, uh, you know. I mean, I feel that, like is, if, if I didn't care about the source material, I think that would, my, my reaction would be, that was pretty good for a movie about Ninja Turtles. Right. Which I, I do think is like saying a fair amount, you know, like that's, it, you know, but it's also kind of like, how do you judge these things outside of the cultural lexic- lexicon? Because, at this point, the Ninja Turtles exist beyond, you know, the cartoon, the comic book, these movies. They are an entity under themselves. It's like, it's like saying, like, asking someone is like, hey, are you a fan of the Ninja Turtles? It's like saying, asking someone, like, are you a, fr- a fan of Greek mythology? You know? Yeah. And I don't want to put the same cultural weight, you know, of, you know, thousands of years of mythology and, like, the past 40 years of cartoons and comic books. But they in a micro sense, they exist within that same level of cultural understanding. Yeah. There's know? definitely people who are like, I don't really know anything about either of those, but I've definitely heard of them both. Right. I mean, yeah, you can't make, you can't make a movie about Hercules or Zeus and have people be like, well, what's this? You know? Yeah. There you go. Uh, I'm just still waiting for the, the Ninja Turtles out of their shells reunion concert, which Man, that was a weird thing that happened. I never wanted to see that. I didn't care about it at the time, but now I'm kind of intrigued by it. Yeah. Just like people singing songs in, in weird, like, half-assed Ninja Turtle costumes on stage wearing, like, bedazzled denim vests. Like, if there was a revival of that, I think I might go see it if the tickets weren't ridiculous. What about for you, what was the big, what was the second place runner-up behind Ninja Turtles for you? Was it Street Sharks? Was it Biker Mice from oh. Mars? Was it you know, the Terrible Thunder Lizards? That's a good question. You know, like, uh, Ninja Turtles was by far the, the toy I had the most. Yeah. Of, which, those toys were, I mean, even like that just being objective, like, looking back at those toys, the character designs, of the like, the modeling of the toys... The packaging itself. Oh, all the accessories. Like, yeah, those were fucking rad toys. A very good you know? value. So for me, I mean, like, I can't... I was, like, on the tail end of He-Man, you know? I remember being very little and liking He-Man a lot. But that was definitely, like, replaced by Ninja Turtles. Because He-Man was on the, the way out when I was, like, becoming aware of my surroundings. And shortly after that Ninja Turtles started back up. And once again, talk about like, just like character design, packaging, toy box artwork. Like He-Man was pretty fucking dope too, you know? Yeah. Uh, 
So then, yeah, Turtles definitely supplanted it like 100% over and was a runner-up. Cowboys know. of Moo Mesa. Don't even know what that is. Samurai Pizza Cats. No, I have no idea. You know, I don't know if there was like a saw. I mean, there was definitely like I liked Thundercats. I liked Silverhawks. You know, well, I'm I'm specifically like referencing like mutants, like oh. the direct turtles kind of analogs. That's why I mentioned like Street Sharks. And I'd say for me, it's probably got to be Toxic Crusaders. Yeah, okay. Just in terms yeah. of character designs and toys, uh, See, I don't necessarily like the movie. Yeah, but. As far as like visuals, that's like probably the closest for me. Looking back at Battle Toads, I can't believe I forgot Battle Toads. Yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, I remember. Huh? I didn't get a lot of toys when I was little either. So it was like I was, I was definitely like, uh, like my focus was turtles. Like, if I'm getting a toy, I want the new turtles toy. Like, I didn't have, I didn't have room to, uh, to uh, add other things in there yeah um and even like with the cartoon it's i mean that was like literally like i remember being like i could watch a finite amount of television before like 6 p.m when like the family would watch tv together type of thing and i remember there was one channel that played ninja turtles and then a separate channel they would rerun that same episode right after it and i and i would use my two show slots on just to rewatch the same episode wow again. so that was like i would watch the vhs tape i'd watch it right and then i would rewind it and reenact the movie in reverse in high speed as a re- rewound wow where i would like do all the the ninja moves backwards so i was it's fair to say i was quite obsessed um with the, with them at that at that time so you have no opinion on Battle Toads, then? Not really. Oh. I mean, I liked I liked Tailspin a lot. I liked uh, Ducktales. Those were big ones for me, but those weren't as to- same. But yeah, I wouldn't put those in the same category. They weren't as toy oriented, you no. know. Uh, uh, like those were definitely like probably in my, my Ducktales and Tailspin were my, probably my favorite cartoons after Ninja Turtles, specifically Ducktales. Oh, you know what the other dated reference was? It was uh, Ginsu. Oh, yeah, the Turbo Ginsu. Yeah. Yeah. But that's another one, too, where it's like you don't necessarily need to, like, know about what it is to, like... No, you, I mean, what you're joke. looking at is more important than what they're right. saying. But, yeah, it's like... Eh. Well, there you go. It's a pretty good movie, guys. Um, Mutants are popping. We're going to come back with... What are we doing? Gremlins 2, the new batch? Next week, or next couple of weeks, two weeks from now. Uh, yeah, it's probably going to be Gremlins two, unless we can uh, wrangle the necessary resources together to uh, get it done with uh, R.I.P.D. the Rest in Peace Department from oh 2013, my. starring are, Jeff Bridges no, and Ryan. Are there Reynolds. any mutants in that? If there are mutants in that movie, let's do it. Well, they're ref- referred to as deados, but uh, I don't know. It's so uh, it's more it's arguable. of a. It's more of a ghost. Like, what do you become a mutant when you die? Because all those ghosts in Ghostbusters don't look like the ghosts of humans. Yeah, right. They look like the ghosts of weird monsters. Yeah. So Slimer looks like the ghost of a 
sack of garbage. Right. So maybe maybe we can do this. We could satisfy your uh, your desire. But yeah, we got two. We we got we got two coming up. One's gonna probably gonna be the the second. Oh, what about like a movie like a uh, like Piranha with the mutant piranhas? You know, you could do something like that, right? And there's other little mutants in that movie. Another just a Joe Dante fest. We'll have something for you guys, I guess, if you want to listen. That wraps this one up. Keith, what do you always say? Cricket? Nobody understands cricket. You got to know what a crumpet is to understand cricket. And until next time, the dumpster is closed. Goodbye, everyone. So I do know what a crumpet is, but I'm not 100% sure on the rules of cricket. Yeah, I've had a crumpet before. Everybody go back to doing what you were doing.